Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. church i mean this foundation that i think he's laying is just incredible and i love the hashtag let's rock this is so genius it's perfect um made up on the spot maybe by god but like just just as god's putting us together we really are i believe representing what church is all about which is, is broken there's no perfect church but it's people it's people you're the church you have impacted my life like, I'm so glad that God, and I believe God, started this church, and uh, I get to be a part of it. This is a miracle. I mean, it's a miracle to have all these different sorts of people. You know what scares me sometimes is when I talk to you, and I find out some of the beliefs and the thoughts and the ideas and how different we all are. I, I go, oh, my God, they're not going to stay in our church. You know, they're not going to. I mean, sometimes it's a little depressing. I almost walked out because, you know, and this happened. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And, you know, even, even going back a little bit. I mean, we had, we had more kids in our church at one point than adults. And so, you know, uh, people that didn't have kids would show up and be like, it was a zoo. You know, and I'm like, I know, it, it was. It really, it, re- it really was. And, and church can be crazy. But, I mean, some people in this room are, are going to be answers to your prayers. People in this room. And, and, and I, just think about, I just think about the people in this room that we get to do life with. One being uh, Tyler, I was gonna say, Kyler and Tarla, okay? I don't know, I just have that dyslexic thing with couples. Jeremy and Aaron. But, I mean, just, just, to, just to have a resource like the marriage, I mean, uh, marriage coaching. I mean, that sometimes we just get used to being where we are and forget how blessed we are that, that there are answered prayers in this room. There are people in this room that will literally be there when you need them to be there. And then I didn't wear my T-shirt today. This might be a little bit of a 49er T-shirt on, but Jared's got his in. Stand up. Stand up, son. Stand up, man of God. Still got to wrestle him by his neck. He's just this little whippersnapper. But in this together, I almost wore that T-shirt. In this together, that... That, that, is, that is one of the hearts of this church, that this is, we're, we're in this together. It's not about, hey, I can be a Christian without having to go to church. It's like, awesome, I can get in shape without having to eat good. Great. I mean, what are we trying to prove sometimes? The limited amount of input it takes to be successful. I mean, are we like, what's the race we're running? Getting to heaven saying, I didn't read my Bible, I didn't go to church, and I remained a Christian. It's like, hey, good, good job. Anyways. The church, the church, the church, the people in this room. I mean, it blows me away. Look, my mom, my mom is here in this church. She's a wealth of not only relate. If you need encouragement, find my mom today, okay? She'll make you feel good about your car that's breaking down and you just got evicted from your apartment, but she will find some gold in you and dig it out and have you feeling good about the bankruptcy you're going through this morning. Amen? I'm telling you, I mean, I live on her text messages and phone calls, and she brought me by an apple pie last night, one of those little ones. I was just like, come on. I mean, come on. She can be your mom too, okay? I mean, not your complete mom. Don't take this, let's not even go there. But I'm just saying, the people in this room, Bill Donald, Jared's dad, I mean, are you kidding me? 
He was all day at our building yesterday, drawing up stuff and looking at stuff. And, and the people that are going through things, even right now, you know who you are. You're in the fight of your life, and yet you show up to church and say, hey, I need Jesus, I need grace, I need to be around people. When you need people the most, what do we do? We, we don't want to come to church, and it's not legalism, it's love, it's not rules, it's relationship. I know that's all cliche, but listen, it's just wired in there, so it just comes out. But here we are, here we are, and, and we need each other. And uh, we can encourage each other and love each other and pray for each other. And we're the church, and we're just getting started. And, and um, okay. Anyways, I want to read some verses. I'm going I'm to start off with um, a bit of scripture here this morning. I didn't just Google. Uh, I just printed off some stuff. I didn't uh, have time to make, uh, put this in the perfect format this morning. But I'm just going to read from the Word of God, probably more than I usually do in an introduction. And so, But I want to lay out the theme as we discuss this, this idea of language. We're, we're in a series called The Language of the Lie because that is exactly what took down humanity. It was a conversation around a lie. It was a conversation around questions. And the enemy is going to hit the vulnerability that is in all of us and how we believe, receive, and learn which is asking questions. That's what we do. We ask questions. So what did the enemy do? He prayed on our vulnerability, and he came in with a question. Did God say? What did God say? What did God say? Did God say that? Did God say that? And he came in and attacked us, and not only did he attack our vulnerability, our insecurity, and our also not knowing the full, complete plan of God, because God didn't tell us everything. He just told us what we needed, which was his word to have faith. But the enemy attacked the word of God. The enemy attacked the word of God. Did God say? I want to read a few verses along the theme of language, speech, words, verbiage, and you get the point. All right, Ephesians 4, 29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk. Do you ever read the Bible sometimes and go, I, didn't, I don't remember the Bible being so intense. Maybe you're like, no, it is. I, I don't know. I've been so wrapped up in grace and Jesus and mercy and love. Um, sometimes I just forget, like, it is intense, there is, there is an exactness. Sometimes we look at the Word of God as the great suggestion to mankind, right? Like, hey, guys, come on, let's get in the gym this week. Come on, more kale, all right? All right, woo, okay. So we go get a blizzard, pumpkin spice, muffin, and lattes or whatever. Then what do we do? We're like, tomorrow, I'm going to start the diet tomorrow. Come on, Monday is the great day to start the diet. Not today. We have a football game. We need some pizza. We need some, you understand what I'm saying. But the idea is that, that, that this is extreme. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Is that even possible? People are crazy. It's not them. I mean, it's not me. It's them. I'm just saying some stuff that I see in people. I don't know if that's unwholesome or not. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. This is a tall order. This is a big deal. Only what is helpful to build others up, not tear down, but build up. You know, the church is one of the greatest ways to come in and allow your gifting to be, you know, you have a perspective, a God-given perspective, but when you're not using your gift, you don't feel apart. And when you don't feel apart, what do you do? We criticize. And so our gift gets turned around. This is exactly what the enemy wants to do and say, well, the church, you know, it it doesn't listen and the church is political and this happens. And that does happen from time to time in groups of people, but there's no perfect group of people. And the Bible says your gift will make room for you. So don't make any excuses. You got God on your side. Stir up your gift. You have a perspective and you see something for a reason because you're meant to cause some sort of change in that area. Amen. Build others up. We're called to build. It's easy to tear something down. It's difficult to build. Difficult to build this temple that I'm working on. It's difficult. I mean, you build for three months. 
and and in three days, it's like, what? I only had one donut. How did I gain 10 pounds? It's difficult to build, but it's easy to tear down. And people think tearing down is a ministry sometimes. We tear down each other. We tear down the city. We tear down the church. Build others up according to the needs that it may benefit those who listen. Listen, listen. Benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. I love the Bible. Just every once in a while, we just need to get a little smack upside our uh, victimization and I think our faith. Because I love journey. I love process. I love, I love counseling. I love books. I love prayer. I love small groups. I love it all. And then every once in a while, you're caught up in a five-year journey of bitterness. And, and, and you get a little codependent. So every once in a while, a scripture just comes and says, just get rid of it. You're like, well, I don't I don't think I can. But the word of God comes and gives you some faith. And you're like, you know what? Maybe today's the day I'm, I'm going to actually let that person go. I'm going I'm to stop trying to make them pay for what they did to me 10 years ago. Okay. Maybe today. Maybe today. Get, just, just, just get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, all you brawlers. Okay. <laughs> Slander, along with every form of malice. <laughs> just every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Verse 5, chapter 5, verse 4. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. But rather, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving ought to just be pouring out all the time. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 19. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Now, this probably describes a lot of you. (laughs) But I don't know if this is, I mean, I know this is in the Bible, but this is not my everyday life. I don't know if I text you psalms and spiritual songs songs of the spirit when's the last time you texted someone a song of the spirit i was just at home singing about jesus and uh, i was talking about the rocks and the, the different cornerstones and we're all builders and here's chrissy you know and i just wanted to say you rock today in psalms and and peter and i i, I just does not describe my everyday life but this is the bible this is the word of god saying hey this is what can happen. This is what can happen. Speaking to one of the psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Not just if you're on the worship team. Always, always. You don't even need a Greek word for this. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. For everything. For everything. You're in a trial. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. You're sovereign. I declare that this didn't sneak up on you. You see what happens when you start giving thanks for everything? You know that Jesus called Peter an enemy and Judas a friend? Because Judas was a part of his process, his journey, his promise, his destiny. And he called Peter, Satan, get behind me. Because what was in Peter's heart was to keep him from what God was doing. And we don't understand all in the fullness of what God is doing. We lost about 10 buildings to find the building that we had. Took a year. I would have never wanted that year. But God started to teach me to wake up that everything he was taking from me, he was keeping us from something. And he had a promise. But it takes faith. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Philippians 2.14. You're going to love this one. Do do most of your things without complaining and disputing. That's not the word of God. It says all things. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Do all things without complaining. Oh, my gosh. Do all things without complaining. Do all things. There's a Starbucks 
lady around here at one of these Starbucks. She always messes up my drink. It's funny, even after last Sunday with Rufus, you know, a missionary from India, I found myself going, oh, she always messes up my, thank you, Lord, for my coffee, for my gourmet coffee that costs $5? Is that real? Is babe? I mean, oh, I'm serving. I, I, I felt like that was a sin. No condemnation, but I'm like, pumpkin spice lattes? Did, is there like a pumpkin shortage? Not even that it's real pumpkin. It's chemicals. Like, is there a chemical increase price in pumpkin sauce? Anyways, do all things without complaining and disputing. Colossians 4, verse 2 and 6. Continue earnestly in prayer. Don't give up. Don't give up. Continue. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying for us that God would open to us a door for the word, for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, to speak it, for which I am also in chains, that I, make, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak, as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are on the outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. My gosh, Lord, help us. This is impossible. This is the struggle. Grace, salt, light, no confrontation, but confronting? How do you be real without being rude? How do you connect with someone without, without completely comforting their situation, but also, also bringing counsel and, and bringing some sort of uh, confrontation to stir up and change? And, and how do you do all of this? I don't think I could, but this is what the Bible is not saying is Jesus' job. He's saying he goes before you, but this is the ministry of believers. 2 Timothy 2. Verse 22, it says, flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. Some of us are fleeing, but we're not pursuing. And so we find it difficult. I remember doing a lot of fast, 21-day Daniel fast. Woo! But it just was a diet. It, 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 I wasn't pursuing anything. I was like, I'm not going to watch any TV. And I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to do that. And your whole life becomes, I'm not. I'm not. Pursue, I apologize, I don't know where, I don't know where that was coming from. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. So tough. Especially when someone talks about my church and someone talks about my God and someone talks about my country and someone talks about, oh, but... Avoid the ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. I mean, a lot of the church world has brought this upon ourselves by having arguments with people about Jesus and calling it persecution. It's ignorance, I believe, according to the word of God. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Able to teach. We have to be able to teach. Isaac, I thought that was your job. No, my job is to, is to release you and get you ready to teach. Patient and humility, correcting those who are in opposition. How do you correct without, without strife? So we are supposed to bring some sort of fatherly, motherly correction, but without strife, who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Sorry, I need to speed this up. 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word. 
we're all called to preach the word. Not just five people in here that are called to be evangelists. Okay, five evangelists, where you are. Okay, awesome. Rest of you, just have coffee, just hug. Just you're the hug committee, which is great. And then everybody else, though, come on, we're going to a new building. We want to reach new people. We want to reach Portland and Vancouver. We want to preach the gospel. Christmas is coming up. Get out there. Come on. Can we all just pray for these five people? And they're going to go out and save everybody. Awesome. Great. No, preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. What does that mean? That means you don't have to just come off of a conference to be ready to preach. That's, that's a season of good preaching. But when you're not in season, when you wake up and you just got back from the doctor's office and, and there's not some, it's just going through it and it's a little heavy and it's a little dark and, and the word of God is saying, be ready because there are people that you are called to preach the gospel. This is not out of fear. This is out of partnering with God Almighty as fulfilling your purpose on planet earth. Preach the gospel. Preach the word. Convince, rebuke, exhort, and with all long suffering and teaching. I mean, this is in the Bible. This is incredible. Hebrews 10, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. In other words, think about their side of the story before you try to sell your side of the story. Stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. New Testament church, don't forsake the gathering together as is the manner of some, but exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. One of the greatest things that happened in church that we never knew, beyond the praise, beyond the worship, beyond the preaching, was the exhorting that you would come into church and talk to Joe and Chrissy or my mom or or somebody in this room and literally that would be the powerful moment of someone coming alongside and giving you the word and exhorting you on into your week. Exhortation, exhorting. Romans 10 14. How then, this is so cool. Paul's like breaking this down, like if I was about to talk to my son, okay? Okay, Jude. How can Portland and Vancouver call on him, Jesus, in whom they have not believed? Uh, and how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? It's true. So this is like theology 101 when it comes to revival. Because we have a lot of Christians just believing that if we just pray it, it's like sowing and reaping. See, Jesus didn't say we would sow in prayer and reap a church. No, he said he was going to build. Bad news for some of us because it's a little bit of sweat equity involved. There's some building involved. So I used to honestly kind of have a theology that said, let's just gather the church together and pray down fire. Just, whoa, love, Lord. And then, just this big wave, and then all of a sudden, two million people come to church. Like, I would love that. I would love revival to be sovereign act of God that we are just waiting for him to do. Problem is, he already accomplished everything that we would ever need 2,000 years ago. He's actually sitting down in heaven. (sighs) It's finished. And now, he has prepared everything. The harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. How, they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? <laughs> so good. This is like one plus one plus one plus one equals, well, let's talk about that later. I think that's four. But this is like this, 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 this pattern that he's saying, hey, someone has got to have the words to say to people. First Timothy 4.12. I love this. Take heed to your ministry. Take heed to your ministry. We all have a ministry. 
Let no one despise your youth. This just isn't chronological youth. This is the feeling of, of youthfulness in any area. Maybe you just came to Jesus and you're 63. So you feel like a youth when it comes to the things of God. You might feel youthful in your preaching, youthful in your prayer, youthful in whatever it is. So let no one despise your lack of experience, but be an example to believers in word. I love it how he takes you from lack of experience right into um, be an example. <laughs> You could actually be an example because you are an example because people in this world are looking for hope, looking for truth. They might not look like it, but on the inside of their heart, they are looking for an example that would give them hope for their life and their marriage and that there is more to life than a cheeseburger and Chick-fil-A. I'm so glad that Chick-fil-A is in this city, but I mean, I hope to God there's more to life than waffle fries and Chick-fil-A sauce. Amen. But be an example in believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity till I come. Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect it, which was given to you by prophecy with a laying out of hands by the eldership. Meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them. This is what we talked about. Where, where you can't learn a language, you can't really learn the language of faith and love by, as we treat it like Spanish class once a week, kind of dipping into the book, you know, conjugating a few verbs and nouns and maybe memorizing, you know, uno, dos, tres. I mean, this is something where, where, where the writer is saying, hey, if you really want this, if you want this to, if the speech and the words and the language, you got to give yourself entirely to them. That your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. People are listening to you. They're listening to the language of your life and the language that you use with your words. It's actually one language. God calls it integrity. When your life, you know in James it says, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. It's let your yes of your life and let your yes of your words be the same. And let your no be no. And he, he correlates us to being like Elijah. And he says, why? Because when it, the anointing means it all adds up, it's the same, and God anoints it. This is, this is where we are, saying, God, this is impossible. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is impossible. But I believe God is showing us, saying, hey, this is something that he wants to do through his word. But we have to answer the question, why isn't this more easy? He writes it with such ease and such conviction. As if complaining was like, yeah, oh, shoot, I, did, I complained once last year. I mean, he writes it with all, never, any. Is this, is this real? Is this tangible? Could this look like my life where I'm able to com- comfort, counsel, convict, preach, rebuke? Connect with my kids, connect with you, connect with the city, connect with anybody in stage and age and walk of life. Can his words become my words? Is this possible? So glad you asked. Let's talk about it this morning. I want to talk about learning our language. Learning our language. Learning our language. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for church. God, we thank you for your word. And, Lord, we just pray, God, wherever people are at this morning, God, we ask you to show us what we don't see. We know you don't, you don't reveal everything, but I just pray for some faith, for some real faith. 
Lord, some of us have been fighting a fight of faith, and it feels like taking Spanish courses for years and years and years where we feel like we've put in the time, we've put in the work, but we've not really reaped the fruit of all that we've sown. And, God, we pray this morning that you would show us, open our eyes, God, that we might have wisdom, wisdom that comes from you, in order, God, to receive all that you're doing, all that you're speaking, all that you're revealing. Lord, we want to be filled up. We want to be recipients, God, of your word, of your presence, and what you're doing this morning in this room. We pray, God, that you would leave us never the same. We want all that you have, Lord, for us this morning. Do whatever you want to do, God, in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I was thinking about um, this, this season of my life, which is raising kids and a lot of transitions and, and just seeing babies. I was seeing uh, Tasha today. He's back up there leading worship and with this little, little baby, little Emma. She's getting passed around uh, by all different kinds of people, which I was like, hey, that's awesome. I think, I think it's the best way to grow up. I grew up that way. Grew up in church. Grew up in the pews. And um, I'm thankful for it because the truth of it is, is I don't have some crazy testimony. But that's not to say that that's, I'm taking credit for it. I, I, there is a beast inside. And I just, just, I don't think people allow the beast to get out. Okay. I, I don't, I don't have a testimony of some crazy, you know, gangs and drugs and just this background that I left and God just radically saved me. You know, I felt like I just was kind of always saved. It was just kind of always one of those, one of those things. And uh, again, though, I take Really early on, no credit. I feel like my parents and church and certain leaders surrounded me so that I couldn't. I couldn't let the beast out. It was just, just the trouble. It was going to be too much trouble, too much discipline. And so not to say that it's not in there because it is. It is. But it didn't get to come to fruition. And so um, growing up, you know, just being at church and listening to sermons and listening to prayers, I uh, just, just, just listening and just, and just hearing and I remember one time I got the, uh, the chance, the opportunity to pray in front of someone. And so they handed me the microphone and wanted me to pray. And I had pray, I had prayer life, you know, sort of, a small prayer life. And I had prayed in small groups and things with people. But I had never prayed in front of people. And so when the mic, if you've ever just, just handed the mic, um, well, I think one of the greatest fears about public speaking and public praying is that your mind just is going to go blank. Or, like, your pants are going to fall down or something like that. You know, you're just like, ah! Like, I think what, they say the number one fear is public speaking, and it's like, why? Well, it's not a dialogue. It's a monologue. It's just all you. And if you do something, ah! I pick my nose, ah! You know, you're, something, like, happens or I say something that embarrasses me and my family and my heritage and my life and my God, then I will never be, you know, forgotten for saying that. Anything could happen. It's like a raw, organic moment. So what happened was the mic got past me, and my mind just went blank. But I'm supposed to be praying, and I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to have prayer in my heart and a God that I love and serve. But I'm like, yes, Lord. Ah. And it literally, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pray, and I got nothing. I got nothing. 
Now, now I'm a little more learned, learned where I can like fake it. Like, let's just all, let's just, this is a sensitive moment right now. Let's just all see God just privately right now. I can stall. I have some more tactics in my prayer, uh, you know, belt. But, but back then I just kind of launched into, now we had just had all these guys from Argentina and they, they spoke Spanish. And so I literally just started saying Mas Fuego. I was praying for Mas Fuego and um, it, that means more fire. And I'm literally just repeating what I'm hearing. And so I don't know what I'm saying. And it didn't really, you know, when you say something and you feel like it's just dead air or crickets, you know, you say something and there's just, there's no, no one's, you know, there's no resignation, there's nothing happening. You're like, hmm. Or if you talk to someone, they just stare at you. You're like, so anyways, hey, it was great talking. Um, don't call me. I'll call you. We'll hang out sometime. You know, you just don't. So you're praying and you feel like it is dead. You're not only not blessing people, but you are maybe hurting people's faith. Right? With the prayer that I'm praying. I might be literally hurting people. So some reason I launch into this. I'm not even praying or preaching. But I start talking about Moses. And I'm just talking about Moses. And how the plagues came. And he came through the Red Sea. And the manna. And the fire. And the Ten Commandments. And I'm literally just backing myself into this corner with Moses. That I got nowhere to go. I'm, and I almost. I almost literally just like. Admitted. Sometimes you just have to acknowledge, like when you trip, you know, over something and you, you try to fake it. Sometimes you just need to go like, that happened. That happened, guys. Sorry, I just tripped. I'm an idiot. You know, you wave to somebody and they don't wave back, but you pretend there's a freckle that you're looking at. Like, oh my God, I never saw a freckle. Look at that freckle. So what do you do when you wave, you know, and you're like, here I am with my arm up. They didn't wave back. I'm not a loser though. Sometimes you just need to acknowledge to people looking, like, I just did that, I know. So I almost just went, I just stopped. And I was like, guys, can I redo that prayer? That was horrible, you know? But I didn't. My motto is like, fake it till you make it. You know, don't let the people know that you're struggling. (laughs) So I literally just started to pretend I was getting blessed, which is sometimes what we do. So you you just close your eyes, and what you do is you just say, mm, mm, mm. And you might throw out like a, ooh, mm, oh. Because if I feel like, you know, I pretend I'm getting blessed, they might start to go, ooh, this is my last resort. Just, just faith at you. Oh, yeah. Mm, mm. So I felt like that didn't work either. So then I just started calling the names of God, which is what you do. You just start, Father God, Jesus, Father Yahweh, Lord, 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 Yahweh, Jesus, Father, Father God, Father God, Father God, Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Jesus, Lord, Father God, Jesus. And my prayer time was over. And now, it was embarrassing. Uh, I don't know if anyone said anything, um, but I almost gave up um, my calling to pray in front of people. I, I retire. I'm done. Um, but it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. It's, it's vulnerable. But you know what? I was learning to pray. <laughs> Next time, I'm not going to go through the whole story of Moses. I'm going to avoid the exodus in my <laughs> prayer. And I think God already knows his name. So I'm going to avoid um, saying God and Jesus and Lord a million times. And I'm going to not use Spanish um, in my prayer. That's probably, uh, I learned some things. But what I was doing was I was repeating what I had heard. Which is how we learn everything. We learn English, not in the classroom. Thanks, Isaac. That's powerful uh, uh, information there. But think about it. We only learn our second language typically in a teaching environment, 
in a taut environment, and your first language is in a caught environment. You catch it. You're surrounded with it. Your parents obviously speak that language. It's what's on television. It's what you read. It's what you talk. And so you're surrounded by it, and it's less of a what language did you speak, and it's more of what language did you hear. Because for a lot of us, and again, I, I talked about this a few weeks ago, but how, how Spanish is so hard. Japanese is so hard. Chinese. I mean, it's Chinese, right? It's like the hardest. They got little characters, and the guy's just crazy. But if you talk to someone from Japan or China, and you say, hey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you had to grow up in China and learn Chinese. This must have been so difficult. They would never look at you like, what? No, it, it came very natural to them because they were surrounded by that language. What happens with Christianity is we have this first language, this language of the flesh, the language of Adam and Eve, the language of the lie. And even though Christ, salvation came through one man, we have all this prepared for us, but it is still our second language. And yet we treat it like it's some sort of class and we have a book and we have mentors and we have, we have this, this, this book that contains the language that we're supposed to speak. But once a week we dip in, we might hear something every once in a while, we might memorize something. But for most of us, this becomes like a Spanish manual to a person who doesn't speak Spanish. If I need to speak Spanish, I might go and look on how to order a taco. I might memorize it for a while and learn it for a while, but I don't speak the language. This is what Christianity has become. We need to know something about the gospel, something about grace, something about faith. And so we go to the manual when, when the essence of the gospel, the essence of the language of faith, the language of hope, the language of prayer, the language of love was meant to become our first language. And so we have to ask ourselves, what's happening? What, what's wrong? Because I think for some of us, we get a little bit like, Isaac, I appreciate your stance on the fact that, yes, we were all born into sin, and that is true, but aren't we born again? Like, that sounds a little, uh, you know, a little old school, a little Old Testament, a little heavy. Aren't we born again? Aren't we full of the Spirit? Aren't we full of gifts? Aren't we, didn't the Bible say he put eternity on the inside of our hearts? And, and, and we've, got, we've got Jesus, the word of God, renewing our minds. What about all that good stuff? What about all that born again stuff? I like that stuff. I want to claim that stuff. So again, we have to ask ourselves, what's the problem? Are we all just walking in the fullness of Jesus? Are we all just full of this speech? Is, does this explain our week? I mean, when I was reading that, were you just like looking in the mirror? It's like, wow, did he just grab my journal? I mean, seriously, that was just, that was like my week. Then what's the problem? The problem is we're, we're right. We have a new citizenship. It says in Philippians, Paul says it clearly, we have a new citizenship. We have a new passport with our name on it. And it was bought by the blood of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit in us, who's our, who's our mentor, our tutor according to this new language, this new city, this new kingdom, the kingdom of God, the city of Zion. We hear about it. So there's this whole new culture, this whole new way of talking going on, and, and we're trying to figure out, but why isn't this where I'm living? Why isn't this become who I am? Why hasn't this been absorbed in my life? And the truth of it is, is that God has provided all of it for us. It's all been taken care of, but we have to receive it. We have to believe it. Now, when you hear those, those words, believe and receive, we often just go, yeah, of course. Of course, absolutely. 
Absolutely. But again, why hasn't this really taken root in our lives? Now, we have to look at Romans 10. And this is so practical. I think it's so spiritual. And yet, at the same time, it is so practical. It's something that I've never seen before. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. It's like saying Spanish comes by hearing and hearing Spanish. I mean, none of us would be like, wow, that's powerful. Like, hold on, rewind, rewind. Spanish, French, cometh by hearing, and hearing by French words? Okay. That's the miracle of that verse. It's not some sort of miracle that God just takes everything that he's ever done and just puts it in you, and all of a sudden, whoa, hey, hey, hey. It can feel like it when you are born again and your spirit is saved. There is a powerful moment that takes place. But then we're trying to figure out what happened or why isn't it still working or what's, what's going on. And God has prepared all of it. But faith has not become our primary language because we're treating it like a second language. When our first language, the only reason we have our first language is because we heard it all the time. We were surrounded by it. And so we're treating faith. I wish I had more faith. Pray for me. I wish I had more faith. And there's the Bible saying it comes by hearing and 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 hearing until it becomes your language. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Our language, what we speak, is dictated by what we hear. What we say is dictated by what we, by what we hear. And so if everything has been provided for us, and I was to sit here and say, hey, you just need to believe, which is oftentimes what we do, you know, as New Testament believers and grace people and Jesus people, hey, just got to believe. Because we, we're never going to preach works. You know, me and Tasha are having a conversation about worship. I'm like, well, Tasha, you just need to dance more. I don't know if I loved the, the hand posture this morning. You really need to show surrender. Sorry, I don't know if my shirt came up. Sorry. You, you know, you need to, like, show some surrender, you know? Like, that would be weird. No, we would say, hey, just got to believe. Got to receive. Just believe. Receive. Believe. Receive. But we wouldn't necessarily, like, tie the word learn to that. We, 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 we wouldn't say, hey, guys, let's come to church this morning and learn God. Let's learn praise. But that's what we're talking about. Learn actually means receive, grab a hold of, digest, absorb it. You got to learn it. This is God. You got you to learn it. Psalms 46.10, I believe. Psalms 46.10. It says, be still. This isn't earn, this is learn. Be still. This is David saying, be still, be still. Stop earning. This is not a point system. Some of us live by a point system. We think, okay, I came to church today. I read my Bible last week. I downloaded Activate app. I turned off the last football game yesterday. I had dinner with my wife. I mean, I did some awesome things. I'm not saying it's by works or a point system. But I'm saying, God, if you want to bless me today, I kind of made it easy for you. Right? 
I mean, we have a little bit of earning mentality, thinking this is a point system. And instead of Old Testament law, we have New Testament grace, but we still kind of have to earn it. And here's this idea of saying, no, it's not an earn. It is not an earn. It's all been provided. It's all been taken care of. But it doesn't mean you don't need to learn it. David said, be still and know that I am God. You need to learn it. You need to receive it. You need to absorb it. Be still and learn that I'm God. So when we say, hey, you just got to believe. Just believe that he's your healer. What we're saying is, it's not that you just need to stand there and just go, okay. I just want to believe. It's actually learn that he's your healer. Learn of our God, the healer. Learn of our sovereign God. Learn of the Receive the words of God according to healing. Hey, believe that he's your provider. Amen, brother. Awesome. Hey, come on, man. Keep believing. Well, somehow we, we lose, I think, the impact and we spiritualize it to basically become sort of apathetic and just sort of like, okay, God, I'm just, I'm believing. When God's saying, no, I want you to learn it. Uh, that word know is an intimate learning. Adam knew Eve. It's, a, it's an intimate absorption and connection with what's taking place. And so God say, learn. Learn that I'm your provider. Learn it. The reason you're struggling with it is because it hasn't become first nature. It hasn't become your language. It hasn't become real to you. You know about it. You know it exists. You know there's a language called Spanish and French and Japanese. You know there's a language of faith and there's a language of forgiveness. There's a language of love. But understand, and it's okay, but you don't speak it. And it's not because you don't speak it. It's because you haven't heard it. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. And so you've got to get surrounded as if you were a three-year-old child and give yourself entirely to that language. And when you hear it, you hear it, you hear it, you hear it, all of a sudden you'll start to speak it. You'll start to pick it up. But I've never realized that this is, this is our issue. I, I, I love prayer. Hear me? I'm a prayer person. I'm a church person. I'm a worship person. You know, I think about the future of our church, man. I see worship nights, and I see us feeding the people, and I see us clothing, and I see us adopting blocks, and I see us taking care of people. The Bible says, don't just say be warm to be filled, but, but step in there and truly give people that are thirsty a, a glass of water and give the naked clothes. Don't just say, God bless you, but you need to step in that gap and, and, and make up the gap and help them and love them. And as a church, we can do that. And I'm, a, I'm excited, and I'm excited to have, you know, revival nights and worship nights and, and prayer nights and, and youth nights and every sort of thing that we could imagine and dream up and God could put in our heart. But the ultimate purpose, the ultimate purpose, all of that is good, but the ultimate purpose is not just for us to sit around and encourage and re-encourage and reinforce and renew and have all this revival. The purpose for revival was that we could become awake and aware of the things of God because the purpose to all of that is to be full of the word and the language of the gospel to go out and preach the words of Jesus to a city. That's the idea. That's the idea. And I think for a lot of us, we get filled up, we get blessed, we get prayed for, 
And again, hear me, keep getting prayer for, keep getting encouragement. That ought to be the community of the church and of the believers. But the purpose, the ultimate purpose is to not just come back and get more prayer. Because for a lot of us, we think the problem is that we've not gotten enough prophecy and enough prayer and enough encouragement. And, and, and literally the Bible is saying, you go from being a youth to being an example. You are ready. You are more ready than you could ever imagine. The problem isn't that you're not ready, you're not gifted, and you're not appointed. The problem is you don't speak the language language because faith doesn't come from a prayer it can he's the author and the finisher of prayer but faith cometh by hearing just like a language and by hearing of the words of the language faith cometh by hearing and you know what if we're to be honest i think that this is the struggle and we all live in a struggle it's okay if you struggle that is good The tension between lust and purity. The tension between living my life for myself and for God. There's a struggle. Even Paul said, I don't do what I want to do and I do what I don't want to do. Don't consider me having already attained, even though he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And oftentimes in chains, giving his life for the gospel. The man who could preach and heal and re-theologize the Jewish world. I mean, what an incredible, incredible man. And he stands, though, with a testimony of I stand between the struggle. Understand that that is where the Christian believer lives, between two worlds. But understand that your citizenship now is in heaven and you speak a new language and don't think that you can pick it up by casually hearing it. You've got to hear it and be surrounded by it. The reason you can't forgive and can't pray and can't worship, the reason you don't have the words to say to people is because you don't know the language. You haven't heard it enough. You haven't heard it enough. And I know all of us was to struggle saying, I don't know what to say to God. I don't, I don't always know what to pray. I don't know what to praise. I don't, I don't know what to say to that person. Have you ever been around people who've lost somebody? You find yourself, I don't know what to say. Someone's going through financial, someone's going through marriage, someone's going through, maybe your kids are going through something and you're like, I don't know what to say. This is the struggle of the Christian believer caught between their, their foreign language in their, and their first language because what was foreign is now first and what is first is now foreign and I was born into the lie but now there's a language of love that I want to speak but I don't know how to speak it and so it literally we're born again but like we're dropped into some third world country and if you don't speak the language you cannot connect with people you can't do commerce you can't learn you can't start a business you can't get a house you are dependent and God is saying, I don't want that to be you. Your first language is now a heavenly language, but it's as if it was a foreign language because you got to hear it. You got to hear it. You got to hear it. And so what you think is an inability to speak the language is actually the inability to, to hear what you need to hear. And so what happens is we go to forgive somebody and we're like, I don't know if that worked because we don't speak the language of forgiveness. We don't speak the language of the gospel. But I believe that when we get around the word of God, in this season like never before, like Paul telling Timothy, give yourself entirely to it. 
I know you did 10 years of Spanish and you don't still speak a lick of Spanish. And somehow that became your Christianity because it was like a secondary class. But I'm telling you right now, there's nothing wrong with you. And God has provided everything on your behalf. But I want you to stop earning and start learning. Be still and start to absorb the knowledge and the grace and the faith of God. And I'm telling you, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Forgiveness and hope and prayer and praise cometh by the hearing of the word. And when you hear it, all of a sudden, you're going to start to notice, I can speak it. You know, it's funny to me, my kids are coming of age to have the sex talk, and I think it's hilarious that we've narrowed uh, sex down to a talk. As if a two-hour talk can explain sex. Maybe a diagram, (laughs) but not a conversation. I I admonish you to, to, to start the conversation. It's the conversation of, Jude, you can come to me anytime. I'm here. That's what Jesus wanted. He wanted to start a conversation. He said, I love you. You need to know that I died for you before you ever could do anything. The position, you need to know the position. I want you to hear something before you ever speak it. I want you to hear from the heart of God. But we can't even speak the words of grace. We can't even speak the words of counsel. We can't even speak the words of transparent sexual conversations around shame and guilt and forgiveness because we think once we accept someone, we are saying their sin is okay. So we don't know what to say. So oftentimes we don't say anything, but then we feel guilty about that. So we throw out a cliche. And God is saying, I'm raising up sons and daughters in the family of God that will be surrounded by the word of God and just quit condemning yourself for not speaking the language. I want you to hear it first. I want you to hear about grace. I want you to hear about forgiveness. I want you to hear about the gospel. I want you to hear about my joy and my peace and the cross. I want you to hear it and hear it again and hear it and hear it and all of a sudden there will start to become some words that start to form and you'll start to speak the language of love and the language of faith and the language of hope and the language of prayer and the language of faith and the language of counsel and you'll begin to now connect with God and people like never before. You were meant to speak this language with ease. Preaching was meant to just come out of you. You know how awesome it is? There was a small time that I gave myself to Spanish. Very small time. And I remember going on this trip down to Mexico City, meeting with all these pastors, and I had a couple of one-liners, and I felt so good about it. Because I can like, come on, star. The studio, I could just speak a little bit and connect. And there was just connection. It was so wonderful. And then it died. <laughs> God said, I want, this is now your foreign country. And there's eternity and there's people's hearts. But to unlock it, you got to speak the language of love. The language of grace. And not just have a few buzzwords. Rojo. Uno, dos, tres. Como esta? Bien too. Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Taco. Burrito. No. But that's what we do. Hey, um, by his grace, brother. By his grace. That's how we comfort each other. 
when someone, when someone leaves our lives a little early, hey, it's going to be all right. They're up there. It's all good. Just fine. But people need a language. People need comfort. People need the word and people need hope. At the same time, they need a hug. They need someone to cry on and they need someone to stand with. And so there we are. We're just sort of a nap to be able to speak the language that they need. And we feel foolish. We lose our job. We don't know what to say to God. God's like, I want to teach you the language of praise and thanksgiving. Teach you the language of comfort and forgiveness. Even when someone talks about you and hates you and stands against you and you hear about it and you're cut to the core. God wants to teach you forgiveness is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself. But I want to start to teach you about the cross. I want to start to teach you deeper layers of forgiveness and grace and mercy and what God did on the cross for you and me. Because when you catch a greater glimpse of how you were forgiven, you'll start to forgive a little easier.